What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another TikTok Shop Show podcast. Today is going to be another interview because y'all don't need to be hearing from me at all and any of my ramblings. I'd love for you guys to hear it directly from the source for those on the brand side. So today I'm with Emily from Art of Sucra, the founder of That Biz. They are an incredible brand that has been crushing inside of TikTok Shop. Uh, and funny enough, they were one of the first brands even on the platform when it was an invite only stage. So uh, we have an interesting past history here. It's hard to say like, oh, I've been in TikTok shop forever. It's only been around for so long, but quite literally an OG here. Emily, thank you for uh, taking the time today. Yeah, Jake, I'm excited to be here and to, to talk about the craziness that is TikTok shop. For sure. So for some context here, and I have a couple disclaimers for everyone listening, we have worked together in the past with the Incredible Artist Sucre team. We are not currently actively working together. So a lot of the questions I'm going to be asking today, uh, it's going to be news for me too, beyond what I can see as a consumer. And then I would also say when Emily's talking about her brand and their products, be very careful consuming because it is ridiculously good and addicting as someone who gets a box in far too often. So anyway, Emily, the thing I kind of want to start with, I'd love to learn about origins of the brand and maybe a quick 101 on the biz. For sure. So I started the company, it's been almost eight years now, which is crazy. All the way back in 2016 and really long story short, I had just graduated from college. The plan was to go into graduate school and that did not end up happening. And I was also planning my wedding. And through that process, I was looking on Pinterest as many brides do and kept seeing all these dessert options that were really getting these creative upgrades because Instagram was really on the rise at the time. So a lot of, you know, like sugar cookies that are beautiful and kind of look like artwork, cake pops were really big, donut walls were having their moment, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I kept seeing cotton candy on Pinterest, but the packaging had like a creepy clown on it that nobody would really want. And the flavors weren't actually flavors. They were just pink or blue, kind of like what you'd get as a kid at a baseball game. And had the idea to take cotton candy and upgrade it in a way that nobody else was doing at the time. So the original concept for the brand was event space. It wasn't packaged. I didn't even know what CPG meant at the time. And I did that for four years. So I kind of upgraded cotton candy. We have flavors like champagne and watermelon and orange bourbon and really anything you can think you can turn into a cotton candy flavor. And then COVID happened and I was like, crap, what do I do? What do I do now? Right. I had this business. It was just me. I had a couple of friends that would help out occasionally. And things weren't changing as quickly as we were originally told. It was two weeks, then a month, then two months, then it was, you know, six months and events still weren't happening. So I decided to start posting on TikTok because I was consuming a lot of TikTok. And at the time, no businesses were on it. It wasn't even, you couldn't even have a business account. Everybody was just, I don't even know if they had like creator profiles. It was just basically like make an account and that was it. And started just posting old videos. I was embarrassingly enough, like taking boomerangs that I had had from Instagram and editing them to not repeat, to just make some type of content and slowly started posting there. I had one video hit, I think it was like 11,000 views. And I thought I was like, the most famous person you've ever met in your entire life and really just stayed consistent with it posted three times a day until we hit a million followers so in a lot of ways i say that i built the business backwards because i had this following before i even had a product 
to sell. And then that's when our cotton candy glitter bombs, which is what we're most known for, really took off. That content was what people really wanted to see. And it's just a fluff of flavored cotton candy with edible glitter in it that you drop into a glass of clear bubbly and it makes your drink sparkle. So that's kind of how we grew on TikTok. And then I also quickly from there opened up our e-commerce store and was able to start doing a drop model until we moved into a bigger location where we now have our products available all the time. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that you built audience first, product, and actual sales second. That's certainly a model that I, I think it's spoken about a lot, but rarely probably executed, particularly on the brand side. We see influencers dropping their own product. Oftentimes, it's just a white label thing or it's just a dropship product. It's not anything unique. And before we get into the TikTok side of things, because I think this would be a good takeaway for any brand in the in the CPG category or any consumer brand, what's so fascinating is you didn't invent cotton candy by any means, but you took like a very boring and traditional product and put your own spin on it and made it quite marketable, if you will. You know, didn't try to immediately compete in that retail space. It was like, hey, let's play to the lane of consumers. And it seems like so awesome. So often we see VC back CPG brand and they're launching like, hey, this is a new beverage and it's got like twice as much caffeine and like these nootropics in it and whatever. It's like just, it's like an evolved iteration. It's like V98, if you will, of like an existing thing. Or it's like, hey, this is a protein bar. Instead of 20 grams of protein, that's 25. And like, set of seven carbs, it's only got four carbs, guys. Like it's almost just creating versions of, as opposed to looking at, more unique ways to to market. So I think that's just a genius, brilliant idea. And, and something I want to ask you before we get into TikTok shop is you, you mentioned your natural gravitation to the TikTok platform, which sounded very natural, if you will. But you know, you mentioned during this time you had a wedding coming up, you had just graduated school. So by no means did you I think a lot of people look at like Gen Z or millennial founders as if we came out of the womb and we were like posting on social media, which for some of us definitely. But I think for the most of us that have built businesses there, like that wasn't the case. So did you always have like a natural gravitation towards social media even before you got into business? Or was it always the business and then social media just as a vehicle? for reaching consumers? I feel like I sit in a really unique place because I'm not Gen Z. I'm I'm 31. So I'm not older millennial, but I'm not a young millennial necessarily either. But I have always been drawn to things that are aesthetically pleasing. So I feel like that in hand kind of leads itself to social media. So I remember I was one of the first beta people on Pinterest. Like I had a Pinterest account before you could just access it as the public. I had to be invited from somebody that had five invitations or whatever. I was one of the first or high school aged kids that was on Facebook, because again, at the time it was only for college students and they were slowly kind of opening it up to everybody. Also, I feel like in a lot of ways, I didn't have a MySpace, but outside of that, I was kind of one of the first people while social media has even become a word that, that we knew what it was. I was really one of the first people on all of those apps. Instagram was similar to that. I was on Instagram when it was literally just being used to edit photos. It wasn't even being talked about on a social media platform yet. It was just a photo editing tool. So I do think kind of learning and growing all of those different platforms 
before I even had a business, it was something that was innate to me, but I wouldn't say that I came out of the womb with a cell phone in my hand. I mean, I didn't have a, smartphones weren't a thing when I was in middle school or elementary school. So I feel like I kind of grew up with it as it was also being developed in real time. Yeah. What's really interesting is if you went to, while you were in business school or while you were in college, right? If you had gone, pitched your business and mentioned that the primary growth vehicle was going to be social media, you definitely weren't going to win that competition. You're going to get laughed out of the room. And yet it sounds like that that has been the primary growth vehicle. And a lot of that comes from you recognize that as a consumer. And something I always tell anyone that works in marketing, whether you're on the brand side, agency side, just doing it freelance, is the, the greatest thing you can do is leverage your inherent advantages. Hey, I already spent a lot of time on YouTube, I, so I know YouTube. So let's like do some stuff on YouTube because I get it as a consumer because at the end of the day that's what everything boils down to obviously all this natural social media prowess and development of the brand then in 2023 it gets announced tiktok shop coming to the horizon and you get word of it first when it was invite only before a lot of others because of your brand's presence and i think tiktok immediately recognizing like okay they're probably going to crush it here uh but we also didn't know if anything was going to sell at all like on tiktok i know the projections we built for our team like we when we originally spoke we're like and we might sell like 500 bucks we might sell like a lot like we're just gonna see so what was it like in that early process getting set up signed on i know it was very chaotic but what was your original thinking in terms of the platform did you know it was going to be huge or was it just kind of like yeah let's test and see what happens here one of the things that I have learned, especially over the past three years and in transitioning into the e-commerce and CPG side is to have just incredibly low expectations for everything. <laughs> so then that way you're not disappointed. And I know that that sounds like a little pessimistic and I'm not in, in anything else. But I think if you put all of your eggs in one basket, so to speak, and you're pouring all of your time and money and resources into just this TikTok shop and you have no idea how it's going to perform, you're going to end up in a not great situation. So from the beginning, I knew it was something that we had to at least try. But I was, I think even when we had talked about it, you were like, let's try to get a number on this. Like, what do we think? Like, what's our goal? And in the beginning, I was like, I'm not even assigning a goal to this because I don't know. I can't make Make an educated guess at this. And then obviously, as we started posting and we were like, wait, there's there is something to this. And I think almost within a week or two, we had one of our videos go viral and we had just been completely maxing out at the time. There was a cap on how many orders we could have a day. And that was the point when my team and your team were like, OK, there's actually something here. Yeah. It was certainly interesting being an agency partner in that process too, because we're going into it. We're like, we also have no idea. Like, you know, we're supposed to provide some wisdom. We're like, not sure at all. And I know, obviously you had a huge following on the platform, which I, I think helps a ton. Like you get to start on first base or even second base, I would say. But that said, there's a lot of brands that have launched on the platform with a ton of followers, especially influencers who never can convert those audiences. So what do you think's kind of been the formula for your success on the platform? I think it's a couple of things. One, our product and our content is very recognizable. It's very consistent and it's very similar. If you scroll through our videos, it's a lot of the same over and over again. And that that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing, I guess, depending. But viewers recognize our videos off the bat if they've seen them. And I think they recognize my voice because that's what's very uh, one of the common things in all of our videos that I do voiceover style, which does definitely helps. I also think because we started the business as a drop model, people were just 
used to us being sold out all the time. So now all of a sudden they're seeing us on TikTok shop and maybe they haven't seen us in a year or two or three years. And now they're like, wait, I remember her. I remember before she even had a product. I've always wanted to try that. Now's my chance. And I think with it just being right there in the app, it's a really easy impulse purchase. And the price point of our product is it's a luxury product, right? But it's still around $20 or under $20. Most people can impulse purchase something around that price point. You're not trying to sell them a $600 handbag or, you know, an ice roller that's $50 that you can buy on Amazon for 10. So I think that plays into a lot of the success that we've seen specifically on TikTok shop. Yeah. And the content that you post organically uh, and, and produce in house, you're able to match quality and obviously quantity on the platform uh, in ways that even the biggest brands in the world like really struggle with. Like I, I know we probably see some of the brands with huge marketing budgets trying to get on this platform and just like struggling like crazy. And then you're able to with some lighting, maybe a camera, maybe just a simple M50 or maybe an iPhone, like way out produce that. I guess what goes into that? It's shockingly not a lot. I'm going to be very honest with you, but I owe a lot of that to our success. I don't, this is crazy. And I'm admitting this and I really probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm, I'm going to. I don't even have like a company iPhone. Like it's my personal iPhone. Our, like our business number is my cell phone number. Like I'm, I, we really need to work on changing that. But like, that's how like genuinely when I say like low budget, people ask us like, what's your customer acquisition cost? And I'm like, it's zero because it's me with, I don't even, even use a light half the time in the, in our facility, in our office where I'm sitting right now, literally just filming. What's so great about that is like, A, the cost is essentially nothing but my time at that point. But B, I'm able to adapt and there's no red tape for me to go through because it's, I'm it, right? So I, as far as the business structure goes as the person that's the CEO and the founder of the company, I don't have to run approval through anything. So if I see something trending on TikTok or if somebody comments something on a video that I'm like, that's an idea, let's run with it. It happens in real time. Like it can happen as so fast as I can pull out my phone, film the content, edit it and post it with a 20 minute turnaround. And there's a nobody else that can really do that, especially the larger brands, which is why I think they are not having the success that they that they can be or should be having on TikTok is because you have to move fast and you can't let, you know, a big budget and production get in the way of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that going backwards, like making things simpler tends to be almost like more difficult for brands than doing the inverse because everyone wants to go into pre-production planning and have huge studio lights and you know try to do the, the big things but those are the things that just simply don't work in this ecosystem and you can outcompete someone it's almost better to have less if you will but I will say though despite maybe the equipment and the actual editing process and other things you know not being at the same production standard I would argue when it comes to strategy and insight, you probably have a significant competitive advantage. And part of that being your, your history and the platform. One of the things I've always argued forever and we look for in potential clients is always, hey, is the founder, is the CEO, is leadership, do they have the marketing insight or is it being handed to someone at a lower level with a limited budget range who has to answer to someone above them? So, you know, obviously with your marketing prowess and know-how, do you believe that it's almost a necessity for brands in the CPG space to be led at the top by someone who really gets it? Yes, absolutely. I think that is 
the huge differentiator right there. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've been noticing lately that a lot of CMOs are being promoted to CEOs. And I think I think that's exactly how it should be because a CEO role or even a CFO role, you can hire somebody to do executive tasks or kind of say yes or no to things or financial, but to have somebody that really understands the marketing and the psychology and your target customer and why that person's buying and what type of content they want to engage with and share and purchase, that is what makes or breaks a company's sales at the end of the day. And that's what makes you successful or not, or being able to continue. That's the only thing. Yeah. So we're going to dive into something that isn't a question for very many brands on the platform, but it's something I'm always putting on the radar even before brands have even launched in that ecosystem because, you know, six months, 12 months, 18 months, like things are going to go quickly uh, and it always appears quicker than before. And I think it's good knowing what's the end vision here. So I think an interesting complexity when it comes to TikTok shop is we oftentimes see this as a customer discovery platform to reach new potential customers, but we need to connect that to the bigger picture of the brand. And how do things connect to sales on the websites? How do they connect to potential retail activations? How do they fit, you know, beyond just getting to a really good revenue number in TikTok shop? How does it fit into the bigger pie? So how do you kind of look at this ecosystem in TikTok shop? Because I know that this isn't probably the biggest revenue generator by any means um, for you. I know it's probably somewhat significant though. So where does it fit into the mix and how do you view like strategically TikTok shop among your, your full stack of growth? Yeah. So TikTok shop or TikTok and TikTok shop in general are always going to be viewed as top of funnel for me. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One you just never know what video is going to hit and what video isn't. It's so funny to me when I'm talking to people and I'm like, yeah, things, you know, like it's, you know, January, February, not a ton of people are buying cotton candy this time of year. It, it is what it is. Like things are slower compared to December. Right. And they'll look at me and they'll go, we'll just make a viral video. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let me get right on that for you. I will. Let's make that, make that happen. But what has been really interesting for us to see it a really positive thing is that when those videos do hit and we do have a viral video or even doesn't have to even be viral, but as we're consistently posting and getting more views, that top of funnel, it really does come down. So we do see a huge spike in sales on our Shopify. We see a huge influx in wholesale requests and custom orders. It's how a large part of our brand partners find us. And what's unique about my business structure and what we do is that yes, e-commerce is our main bread and butter and it's, it's mainly what we do. We also, offer, you know, customization, you can make your own cotton candy flavor, you can private label it, you can do custom packaging, you can do you can really build it out to fit corporate gifting or bar and restaurant program, whatever it is. So those TikTok views really do trickle down into every other kind of component of the business. And we've seen expansion there as well. And I just I don't ever count on TikTok shop revenue to help pay our bills, I make sure that it's covered everywhere else. And then TikTok shops kind of the icing on the cake is how I've been viewing it. 
Yeah, I love that you mentioned that exact example of TikTok and TikTok shop being, even though it is a revenue generator, treating it as top of funnel. Because, you know, you mentioned not knowing the, the specific CAC model right off the bat. And if we look at it that way, for any brand out there spending a ton on Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Amazon, like all these other customer acquisition vehicles, if you know your CAC model is around, say, $10 on a $20 or $30 product, the way you can look at TikTok shop now, it totally changes the dynamic. So instead of just investing in the marketing components as you traditionally would, why don't we discount our products on TikTok shop like crazy at let's go $10 off. Let's copy over our CAC model. We get them as customers actually purchasing the product as opposed to paying to market them where they're just viewing content. Now you're getting product in their hand and now you have a potentially very sticky product that they're more likely to purchase. Um, so when you almost reframe it as top of funnel, it allows you to do things a lot more interesting on the platform. Now, now, all of that said, the way you're thinking about this is in much more of a chess or 301, 401 PhD studies level of TikTok shop if it's gotten there. We're so early in it. And I know a lot are still in the 101 phase. And I'm sure you've now seen on the platform, a lot of different brands launching, a lot of people getting into this space. What do you think people are doing wrong? What do you come across? I try so hard in our videos and sometimes I do that I don't always succeed and it's intentional but I don't sell to people I think that's the thing like on the voiceover content or even what's happening I'm either telling a story or I'm talking about like what would you like to see as a new cotton candy flavor something that's going to engage people but I'm not sitting there saying hey this is a cotton candy glitter bomb and this you can buy it on our website you can buy it here on TikTok shop here's how much it is da 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 because it it does inherently kind of come across as an infomercial. And I think that has been the number one mistake of brands launching and it feels spammy very quickly, especially with the affiliate side of TikTok shop opening up. I think you have to be very strategic as to what content gets approved or what how you want to go about that because people are getting can get over served that type of content and then it's like everything is just an ad. So I think you have to be able to find a way to make make good content that sells your product without selling your product, if that makes sense. Yeah. And speaking of selling and not selling, we're going to do the opposite here on the podcast because we have a, a captive audience. And frankly, all the insight you just gave should be worth like thousands of dollars an hour in a consulting fee. Go try to hire Accenture for this. Let us know how that goes, y'all. It's going to be 25 grand and they're not even going to know what the hell TikTok shop is. So with all that in mind, what can listeners do to help you? Both on the maybe on the consumer side, go buy something. And on the business side, you know, agencies, brands, you name it. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, the the easiest thing is just to give us a follow on TikTok, on Instagram, trying to grow all of those platforms together so our numbers don't look like we have a you know a ton of followers on TikTok and not that many everywhere else is super helpful. And then just of course as a small business, we're just purchasing our products or even talking about it if you can't purchase or can't find, you know, a, a good fit for it, just sharing who we are and, and what we do is always helpful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining, Emily. Everyone go check out Art of Sucre. I'll link everything below or above. Thanks so much, everyone, and we'll see you next time.